0: Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for the day, and uh, we thank you for the example of Jesus and uh, the grace that he shows us, and uh, we pray uh, a prayer of uh, gratitude. Um, We also pray a prayer of uh, repentance for the times uh, that we have entered into this room, uh, thinking that it is about us at all, when in reality it is uh, always and only for Jesus. So forgive us uh, when we've made it about us. Uh, It is about you and your son. It is in his name that we pray, amen. Uh, We use uh, this if-then language all the time. Uh, to communicate certain sentiments, and it's going to sound a little bit different because we don't exactly use this terminology the, the way I'm going to do it, but I want to set up the text we're going to study today uh, by, by showing you a way that you could say something. So if I could say, for instance, if you have any love of the outdoors, if you have any comfort from the water, if you have any enjoyment of hiking at all, then you have to visit the Upper Peninsula of Michigan sometime and see their waterfalls, and Lake Superior, and incredible hiking. Or I could say this, if you have any love of pizza, if you have any craving for incredible flavors, if you have any desire at all to eat buttery crust then you have to try Uno's Pizza. Now listen, I know uh, Chicago people are going to say Giordano's all the way. I get that. Giordano's is very good. But Uno's has figured out how to get the taste of Giordano's, but in a buttery crust, not a crackery crust. So I'll never lie to you about Jesus or food. All right? right, Or I could say this. If you have any desire for some fun, if you have any desire at all to eat some good food, if you have missed parties or gatherings at all, then make my joy by, complete by going to the welcome desk and getting tickets for the water park later today. Dinner at six, park from seven to nine. See, how, see what I did there? All right. <laughs> now, Paul is going to use a very similar language uh, to, to communicate something much more important uh, than any of that. We're, we're in Philippians 2. We're going to be in Philippians for... Uh, really the rest of the summer um, for for a good chunk of the summer. So uh, here's what Paul says in Philippians 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but for the interests of others. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, And being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So he starts out, if you have any encouragement at all from being united with Christ if any, comfort from his love. So I want to pause there just for a minute, and I want to talk to you for a few minutes about the gospel of Jesus Christ and how we should absolutely be encouraged and comforted by the gospel. A lot of times we think the gospel is something that we need to understand in our mind, but today I want to try to get us to understand it in our heart and to receive uh, comfort and encouragement from the gospel. So the gospel teaches us, his incarnation teaches us uh, about God's love for us. Jesus' incarnation demonstrates that fully, demonstrates God's love for us. And if you think about the incarnation as the Christmas story, uh, it, it tells the story of when Jesus left heaven and he came to earth on a rescue mission for mankind. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. He left the perfect and he came to the imperfect. Now, why would somebody do that? Why would somebody do that? He was absolutely, the scriptures teach us, motivated by love. And I think that sometimes one of the most basic, big questions that we ever will grapple with as human beings is, does God really love me? Does he really care about me? And sometimes we think that, man, the biggest kind of negative thing that's ever happened to me questions my, my, uh, questions my belief that God loves me. So for you, it might be, man, when I think about the biggest kind of thing that's happened that causes me to question God's love, it's like, you maybe say, I think about my divorce or I think about can- my cancer diagnosis or a painful relationship that, that I'm in. And what I would say to you is, Those things are very painful and difficult. They are not the biggest thing that's ever happened in your life. The biggest thing that's ever happened for you is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And that moment screams out to you and to me, I love you. I love you deeply. I love you fully. I love you completely. Be encouraged and be comforted. God loves you. Second kind of thing here is his self-sacrifice on the cross shows us the best way to live, all right? We're going to talk about this a little bit more later in the sermon. But the biggest moment in human history happened as the result of service. Understand it was voluntary. Jesus was not forced to go. It was voluntary. It was gracious. And it was all about others. Now, we live in a culture that is obsessed with experiences And uh, I enjoy giving my kids experiences, just like you probably enjoy giving your kids and grandkids experiences. And when you're doing an experience, uh, we were at Sheds uh, just about a week ago. A lot of times the question that you find yourself asking when you're going through an experience like that is, how am I being served? How well am I being taken care of? And I'll tell you something, at Sheds a week ago, they were doing these time check-ins and it's one of the best experiences we've had there. We, We were really, really well served. Am I being taken care of well? And some of that is fine, But I'll tell you, I've done a ton of funerals over the years. And when families get together to celebrate and remember their loved one that has passed, I'll tell you something, it's not about a vacation. It's not about experiences. It's not about customer service. It's not about any of those memories. It's about how their loved one that they're laying to rest gave their life for others. How that person loved and served and made a difference. So be encouraged to serve. Let me tell you something don't say this to be discouraging at all, and I hope it's not, but 10,000 boomers turn 65 every day. All right, and if that's you, happy birthday, all right? <laughs> 10,000 boomers turn 65 every single day. That's a lot of retirement. I wanna, I'm saying this because I love you. Do not have the focus of your retirement be, how can I be served? Don't do that. Have the mantra of your retirement be, how can I love and serve others? I have all this time that I was working, now I have all this time available to me. How can I use the time that I have left to make a difference? Others of you, that's one section of our community here. Others of you, are, you are in a, a time of your life that requires you to have a servant mentality. Your kids are young, right? Somebody say amen, right? You're on the bottom rung of the ladder of the company, And you're fighting this temptation to believe that what you're doing right now, because you're kind of forced into service, that what you're doing right now really doesn't matter. Be encouraged. Serving like Jesus is the path to difference making. Last thing, his resurrection demonstrates his power and his authority. Later, Paul will say in this text, he says, man, if if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any comfort from his love, if any common sharing of the spirit the resurrection of Jesus Paul, the resurrection of Jesus, and the work of the spirit are intertwined in Paul's mind. Here's what he says in Romans. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. It's not to the flesh to live according to it for it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the mis- misdeeds of the body, you will live for those who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. Jesus rose from the dead via the work of the spirit. And when you gave your life to Jesus or when you give your life to Jesus, the same spirit that rose here from the dead is at work in you. And Paul says, should you die, he will give life to your mortal body. All right, I I think right now the death rate is hanging somewhere in the history of the world around 100%. And should you live... The Spirit will empower you and help you to live. So Jesus said he came that we might have life and that we might have it to the full. Be encouraged. This is why Paul can say in this text, if you have any tenderness or compassion. He is confident in the Spirit's work in these people's lives. He says, man, you've given your life to Jesus. The Spirit is at work in you to make you more like Jesus. So therefore, you surely have some tenderness and compassion. So I want to go back now to the beginning of the text, right? We kind of covered the gospel part. He says, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with the Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete. By being like minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. So, church, if you are united, if you are encouraged, if you are comforted, if you have received the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna put this very profound thought on the screen for you be like Him. Be like Him. That's what this text is teaching us, be like him. So let's talk about his attitude just for a minute, all right? Um, the, The text tells us that Jesus was very nature God. Do not buy into this foolishness that Jesus never claimed to be God. It's foolish, all right? He said it often, he said it repeatedly, and it is why he was executed, He backed up his claim with miracles, ultimately his resurrection. His nature was that he was God in human flesh. God in a bod, if you want to remember it that way, right? He was God in human flesh. He could have used that nature, the scripture says, to his own advantage. Think about having the very nature of God. Think about how Jesus could have used that to his own advantage. He could have accumulated a great worldly power. Incredible wealth, a huge following. He could have done all of that and more. But instead, the Bible says he made himself, remember the word? Nothing. Taking on the nature of a servant. Now, why would he do that? Well, I believe, first of all, his nature wouldn't allow it. Jesus was not a prideful person. But also, he was on a mission That could not be achieved with power and control. He was on a spiritual mission that required a spiritual mindset. And he understood if you hear one line in the sermon, this is what I want you to remember. He understood the greatest difference is made with a humble heart. The greatest differences are made with a humble heart. When you sense someone is about their power and their wealth, and their glory, and their control. They might be able to gain control through power. They might even get their name on a building or the letterhead of an office. But true and lasting difference will never happen. Difference making happens with a humble heart. And when you, genu- when you see someone who genuinely loves people and wants to serve them and just wants to help, when you see a humble heart, That is the swimming pool that people swim in that make a difference in the lives of the people around him. And what Jesus accomplished, the, the biggest difference ever made in human history was made with a humble heart, and the difference he made was amazing. He rescued you from your sin with his humble heart. He gave you his Holy Spirit through his resurrection, through his humble heart. He's preparing a place for you for all of eternity, with his humble heart. And because of his example, we do the same thing. Notice the language in the text. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility, considers others better. Don't look out for your own interests, but for the interests of others. He is casting this vision for us to be like Jesus, to serve others, and to live a life that really counts. Some of you have the title boss. And you have people that you manage. There are people that you're in charge of. And it would be easy to approach the position of boss with a lord it over them mentality. To view them as your pawns. To be unkind. To be unfair. To lord it over them. Anyone ever have that boss before? Right? It would be easy to do that. Now the interesting thing is we call this philosophy a lord it over them philosophy which is ironic because the Lord and Savior, who had every right to do it, never did it, right? Um, and, and, And so it would be, some of you wear the title boss, and it would be easy for you to lord that over people. Some of you have the title parent, and you have these kids that you're doing your best to raise, and it would be easy to approach parenting with a vain conceit mentality. Here's what I mean by that, that you are reliant on your children to communicate something to the world about you. That you're looking to your children and you're saying, man, you tell the world something about me. That I'm capable. And I'm good. That I'm excellent. And you're relying on your children to communicate that to the world. And so you tend to make their accomplishments your accomplishments. And you tend to overreact to their misbehavior because you feel like it is saying something about you. Am I get preaching too close? Is that okay? All right. Some of you have a position called Employee. And you work for a, in a certain capacity for this company and you want to climb the ladder. You want more authority. You want to be more successful. And it would be easy to approach your position with a selfish ambition mentality that people are pawns, people are a tool to help you succeed. Matthew 20, Jesus called them together and, you said, and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and their high officials exercise authority over them, not... So with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Our world is full of selfish ambition and vain conceit and lording it over with power and control. I love these three words, four words. (laughs) Math is hard. Um, Not so with you. We can't help but be like-minded with our Savior, our leader, our Lord. And we understand that power and control are the weapons and tools that can be used to accomplish some missions. They just can't be used to accomplish the mission that we're on. We are on a different mission and it requires different tools. The biggest difference-making happens with a humble heart. It just does. And it's good for us to understand that because sometimes I think, especially in election years, sometimes I think we believe that the greatest tool that we have to the mission would be like having a believer in the White House. Man, if we could have a believer in the White House, that, that's the best tool that we could have. Or a mostly Christian Congress, that, that's the greatest tool we could have. Or to accumulate financial resources, this is the greatest thing that We need more resources to fight our battles. And that's all fine, I suppose but there is and always has been a difference-making when it comes to humility. Doesn't get talked about a lot because it's humility. A difference-making when it comes to servitude. A difference-making that happens when we make ourselves nothing. Now, that being said, and everything I just said is true, that uh, the, the truth is that by becoming a servant... Uh, by making ourselves nothing and not looking out for our interests, but for the interests of others. God, according to this scripture, God does an elevating work in people that are like that. All right? And this is not our motivation, but the text says, look at what happened to Jesus, that he made himself nothing. He, uh, he became a servant. He didn't look out for his own interests, but for the interests of others. And you remember what it said partway through the text? God exalted him. God exalted him to the highest place. As a matter of fact, that's the role of Jesus, to be in that highest place, not your role or mine. That's Jesus' role. But I think humble people understand this, that my job and your job is to be humble. My job is to serve. My job is to love. God's job is to exalt the way that he wants to exalt. So one of the reasons that people seek power and seek control and seek wealth is that they're looking to exalt themselves. The humble person understands that's not, that's, not, that's not the way to live your life. That's not, the, that's not a difference-making life. The humble person understands that, man, I am humble, I serve, I love, and however God wants to exalt me is the way that God's going to exalt. However God wants to bless is the way that God's going to bless. Whatever God wants to do with my life, that whatever influence or control or whatever he wants to give me is what he's going to give me. My job is to stay humble. So to parents... Uh, Those that approach it with a humble heart and you're not looking for your kids to say something about you, but instead your parenting flows from this humility that says, man, I want to do the right thing for the right reason. I want to be humble before God in my parenting. I want to do things his way. When that happens, God has a way of exalting that parenting. And maybe uh, it's a a note, a thank you note that you get someday from your your kids. We all kind of fantasize about this moment, right? Right? Maybe it's just me, but, you know, you think about this day when they're going to look at you and they're like, I appreciate what you did. It's like, could you say that for the camera? I want to just record this for all posterity, right? Or maybe it's a kind note from someone that just notices what you're doing. Stay humble. Stay humble. God will exalt the way he wants to exalt. To the bosses, there is a power that comes to your work life when you adapt Uh, You do away with a Lorda over mentality and you do away with uh, 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 a serve me first mentality and you begin to serve others. How can I help my employees? How can I serve my employees? How can I love my employees? That God, he has this way of doing this elevating work. Think about the best bosses that you have. And I guarantee you they had a servant mindset. man, when I think back on this boss, uh, they were a great boss. They loved their employees. They served their employees. They helped their employees. God exalts the humble. To the employee who just wants to get ahead, do not approach your career or your life with a selfish ambition mindset. There is a power in life that comes when we make ourselves nothing, when we do our jobs, when we're humble, and we rely on God to exalt the way he wants to exalt. You don't have to grab yours. You don't have to get yours. You don't have to gain power and keep power. You can be humble and trust God to do his exalting work. And all of that is true, but it's not our motivation. You know what our motivation is in this text? It's not, you know, because it's not going to work if you're like, yeah, I need to get ahead in this company. I like this humble strategy, right? I'm going to work this humble, I'm going to be the most humble person in the company. Um, It's one of my favorite, my favorite verses ever about Moses. Moses was the most humble person in the land. And Moses wrote that. Actually, <laughs> you know what I want to say about myself right now? Of all the humble people all around, I am the most humble, right? It never, it doesn't work, right? Because it doesn't work when that's our motivation. Our motivation in this text is to be conformed into the likeness of Jesus. That's our wish and our desire and our goal. That man, Jesus was humble. Jesus served. Jesus loved. I want to be conformed into his likeness. I want to join him in his mission. And it requires people with humble hearts who desire to serve and make themselves nothing so that God's name can be great. And so many times I've preached this text, probably as soon as I got into the text, like, you referenced this text a lot, and I do. I think it's a really important text. But when I've preached this text before, it usually I, I usually take a tact of, like, we need to do something. We need, we need to serve in some way. We need to take some action. But the more I read this text this week, it's really more about an attitude of the heart and an attitude of the mind than a specific thing we need to do. Because it's possible to serve, to be in a servant role without a humble heart. If you follow politics lately, celebrity culture, like I'm going to serve, but I'd like you to name this wing of the hospital after me. Right? I'm going to serve, but like, can we arrange a press release? To, to make sure I get credit for serving, right? I want to be known as the most humble person in all the land. I, I want to know, be known as the biggest servant in all the United States, right? And, and, and it's possible to, to serve without a humble heart. But here's what happens. The people that you're serving will be impacted, for sure. Even if, even if you serve in pride and arrogance and looking for credit, the people that you serve will be helped you won't be changed. You won't be changed through the service. The humble heart is the heart that is most open to hearing from God because the humble heart says, God, I want to hear from you. The humble heart is the heart that is most open to the spirit who changes men and women. Humility is openness. So when we are humble, yes, the people that we're serving are changed, but when we're humble, we also find ourselves changed in the middle of our service. And humble people understand that. Samuel Morse was born into a preacher's home in New England two years after George Washington was elected the first president of the United States. And after finishing his education at Yale, he uh, went to England and wanted to hone his painting skills. And he became known as kind of a brilliant painter and and, and he decided to return to, uh, return back to America To do some more painting, and he became known over here as a gifted artist and much in demand. And while he was over here, his wife was in England, and she died uh, while he was painting in Washington, D.C. And by the time he received the news that she was sick, it was too late, and she was gone. And in his heartbreak, he turned away from painting, and he decided that he wanted to develop a, a way of rapid communication over long distances. He says, I'm never going to let this happen to anybody else. And he began to work on that, and it eventually led to the discovery of the telegraph, and that gave him more fame and more honor. It came his way, and he was never proud or boastful. As a matter of fact, in a letter to his second wife, here's what, I, here's what he said The more I contemplate this great undertaking, the more I feel my own littleness, and the more I perceive the hand of God in it, and how He is assigned to various persons their duties, he being the great controller, all others his honored instruments. Hence our dependence, first of all, on God, and then on each other. Life is all about trying to figure out who's going to do the writing in your life. If you want to do the writing, God will allow you to do that. You want to gain wealth and power and control, and if you want that to be the story you write, you go for it. God will allow it. You can write any story you want. Humility, humility is handing the pen to Jesus and saying, you write the story you want to write. I'm going to remain humble. I'm going to love. I'm going to assert. You exalt me. However you want to exalt me, you exalt me. If you choose not to do that, hardly at all fine. Whatever story you want to tell Jesus, you tell. And here's my promise to you and to me. I promise you, it is an amazing story he wants to write, but it requires us, in humility, to hand him the pen. Say, I'm giving up power, I'm giving up control, I'm giving up my way, and Jesus, you take over, and you do the writing you wanna do. And I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, you will never, ever regret that decision. I wanna do something I hardly ever do. Um, I wanna read a prayer. So I'm going to have you bow your head in prayer and just allow me to read this prayer that I found. Um, uh, it's an old prayer, but it's very appropriate for today. Oh Jesus, meek and humble of heart, hear me. From the desire of being esteemed, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being extolled, deliver me, Jesus. From the desire of being honored, deliver me, Jesus. Jesus. From the desire of being praised, deliver me. From the desire of being preferred to others, deliver me. From the desire of being consulted, deliver me. From the desire of being approved, deliver me. From the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being wronged, deliver me. From the fear of being suspected, deliver me. That others may be esteemed more than I, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be chosen and I set aside, Jesus grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be praised and I go unnoticed? Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. That others may be preferred to me in everything? Jesus, grant me the grace to desire it. It is in his name that I pray, amen. Now, some of you, because I had this reaction one time when I read this as well. I've been reading this prayer for a long time. Some of you had this thought, this little thought in the back of your head as I got through some of those why on earth would I pray that? Why on earth would I pray that? And here's why you would pray that. And here's why I would pray that. You have been impacted by the greatest act of humility ever. The work of Jesus on the cross. His death, his burial, and resurrection. And as a follower of his, your prayer is to be conformed into his likeness. And so Jesus, grant us the grace to be humble like you. Grant us the grace to be humble like you. That we wouldn't feel a need to get ours. We wouldn't feel a need to be in control. We wouldn't feel the need to get ahead. We wouldn't feel the need to control others. Jesus, grant us the grace to be humble. Let's receive communion together. as the worship team's coming back up, we want to kind of point our eyes to this moment where Jesus demonstrated uh, exactly what humility is and and what it looks like, that he was in very nature God, but he did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking on the nature of a servant. Jesus, may we be just like you. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. May we be just like you, Jesus. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, a place only for Jesus, and gave him the name that is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Let's sing to him, will you stand?